The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, for the first time since the COVID-19 pandemic began, China is lifting its border restrictions, hoping to revive its tourism industry and economy. Will it have the desired effect of an influx of tourists and foreigners as China looks to kickstart? Well, for more on this, I'm joined by Assistant Professor of Chinese History at Trinity College Dublin, Dr. Isabella Jackson. Isabella, good morning. Good morning to you. Now, when I looked at the the numbers, uh, tourism is not really that important to China. No, it's uh, less than 1% of the Chinese economy, or it was before the pandemic. Obviously, it's been negligible for the last three years. Um, But it's a big economy, so um, that's still a a chunky amount of money. Uh, It's not insignificant. And the economy is not doing well. It was... um, 3% 3% growth is what they've recorded for last year, and that's the lowest for over 50 years. So they're probably looking for any way they can to try and revive the economy. Yeah, and of course they're looking to bring in, I suppose, uh, foreign exchange as well. Uh, and uh, in 2022, 115.7 million cross-border tri- trips were made, but foreigners only made 4.5 million of those trips. And we have far That's more right. than that in, in Ireland, for example, uh, by people who are not Irish coming in and out of our country. So what sure. is this uh, announcement all about, really? Well, it's, it is about the economy, but it's also symbolic. It's telling people in China, we've listened and we're getting back to normal, which is what the protests wanted and, and plenty more people who didn't protest at the end of last year. Um, and it's telling the world we are open again um, after three years of um, uh, extraordinary isolation. Now, the the uh, things that have been affected, you know, Hong Kong might have been a very good venue for conferences in the general region. Uh, I presume that business fell off a cliff. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, Hong Kong and Macau have been um, affected as well. And um, they, as you say, would have had an awful lot of business visitors in the past. So um, people have been able to apply for business visas since January. Um, and now tourist visas as well. So everything, uh, all, all categories of visa application are open now, finally. Now, do you think there's an international resistance to travelling to China purely, uh, you know, as a maybe a, a student of history, a tourist, you know, just generally being interested in China? Or is what happened in Wuhan and the pandemic that resulted, is that kind of going to put general people off going to China? I think... Um A few things will put people off. I mean, American visitors have actually been officially advised by the State Department not to travel because of the risk of arbitrary detention. Um, So and that includes to Hong Kong after the implication of the national security law there. Um, And that won't just affect American tourists. Other people will take notice of that. So there's been a lot of bad stories about China in the news in recent years. um, And it probably does seem like a less desirable destination for a lot of people. Um, And then the fact that it's not been possible to go for three years has meant people have made other plans. But I'm sure, you know, there'll be people who have been waiting for this and will be keen to to try going to somewhere a bit different. Mm. Now, one of the the parts of tourism that I presume always did well, but the pandemic put a stop to it would be uh, cruise ships stopping off in places like Hong Kong and Macau. Uh, Did you have to have a visa to go ashore? No, they didn't. uh, Before the pandemic, those um, cruise ships could stop there and Shanghai without a visa. That then stopped during the pandemic. But that has also just reopened um, as of this announcement that uh, comes into force today. 
Now, when we talk about uh, being able to get a visa to China or visit those areas that might be visa-free, like Hong Kong, is one thing. But when you're on the Chinese mainland, how free are you to go where you want to go? You're very free. Um, uh, It's when um, the State Department talks about arbitrary detention, that would be for... um, you know, we had foreigners holding up placards um, talking about democracy and so on. That that would perhaps get you detained. But as long as you don't do anything to provoke, nothing too overtly political, um, you're unlikely to have a run-in with the authorities. I've spent um, uh, many, many months in, in different parts of mainland China and never had any um, difficulties. But um, it obviously does just make people think twice when you know what has happened to um, a few people. Obviously, um, we've had um, the, the notorious case of the Irish businessman who was detained for a very long time. Um, now he wasn't a tourist, but um, that sort of thing is possible. And in terms of areas that might be off limits, now you could imagine an area around a, uh, a nuclear research station would be off limits, but are there parts of China that you simply cannot visit? Xinjiang and uh, Tibet um, in the far west. So uh, Xinjiang has been the uh, site of a very serious oppression of um, the Muslim population in recent years, and they don't want foreigners to see that. So it's very tricky to go there, um, uh, whereas it used to be possible to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, foreign visitors could go there without problem, but now you wouldn't be able to. And it's a very long time since access to Tibet was um was easy for foreigners. So it would be that apparent that uh, discrimination was actually openly practiced in those areas where foreigners to visit? Yeah, I mean, there's restrictions on domestic tourists as well. They'd have to go to designated places. Um, but uh, those are, they've, they've successfully removed them from the regular tourist trail, if you like. Mm. Now, what about being tracked when you're there? We're, we're told that facial recognition technology is widely deployed. Um, is it likely that if you went, and I'm sure you regularly would go, given your academic role, um, that they know who you were and where you were and what you were doing? Well, I've not been, obviously, since before the pandemic, so I can't speak from direct experience um, of what things are like now. Um, but as far as I'm aware, um, there's very close um, tracking of Chinese nationals because they they have to download these apps that um, were in use during the pandemic to track movement. And that could be linked to facial recognition software. Um, that's used very extensively in places like Xinjiang, um, less so in the rest of the country, the facial recognition. Um, but if you, for example, jaywalked, um, you might find that uh, your, your face is recorded in some Chinese um, public security bureau, which is what they call their police stations. Um, it, it doesn't mean they're tracking your every move, but they would uh, keep note if you mm. if there are any kind of minor infractions. And the, having jaywalked, then you return to your hotel. Uh, is there likely to be a on the door and a fine or a warning? Not for foreign nationals, but for Chinese, or if you lived there and you've got this um, app on your phone, um, uh, it could affect your rating. There's a kind of rating a bit like on an adverts.ie or or whatever saying whether you're a good citizen or not, and it would affect your rating. So you wouldn't be getting a fine, but uh, for someone who lives there, that could be an issue. For a visitor, it wouldn't be. Mm. Now, when you think that Big Brother is watching, and clearly Big Brother is watching in China, uh, I'm not sure, was it ever envisaged that Big Brother would have to keep tabs on billions of people? 
Um, yeah, uh, Mao wanted a big population. Um, he definitely thought that part of China's strength lay in its superior numbers of people to any other country. Um, so, um, insofar as a lot of this started under Mao, then then yes, absolutely. Um, in in more recent years, the um, surveillance has just shot up in terms of scale and reach during the pandemic. So obviously, the the population has been um, fairly stable around 1.4 billion during that period. So it is not what George Orwell foresaw, but it is, I think, what um, what Beijing foresaw. Yeah. And finally, I should ask you about uh, the, the monolith that appears to us to be China, you know, a massive country uh, with President Xi speaking uh, for the Chinese people. But in the same way as we would say, you know, things are very different in Kerry than they would be in Antrim, for example. Uh, how diverse is China as a place? That's a great point, Pat, and it's, it's hugely diverse. It's, it's utterly enormous. Um, all of the different provinces um, have what are seen as characteristics, um, but even those are stereotypes. So the, the cliche is that people from Shanghai are very business-oriented and um, maybe uh, less generous than people from other places, and Beijing is uh, only interested in power. Um, but even those, obviously, are stereotypes, and there'd be huge diversity in these mm. cities of over 20 million people. Um, ordinary people have um, diverse views, but a lot of them lack access to diverse sources of information unless they seek them out by going over the Great Firewall uh, online, then they don't have access to yeah. um, anything other than the state's approved narrative. It just seems extraordinary that you can control such a, a hugely diverse country, a hugely populous country from the centre just seems that it would be unlikely ultimately to hold long term. Um, yeah, um, it's a lot of people have been kind of expecting the Chinese Communist Party to fall ever since the late 80s when the Soviet Union um, began to look shaky. Um, and the authorities have been very effective at moving with the times and, and keeping control and allowing um, freedoms and responding to public opinion when they have to, like the abrupt change of policy after the protests at the end of last year. Um, so, um, so far, it, it doesn't look like um, the Communist Party is going anywhere. But um, I take your point. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Isabella Jackson, Assistant Professor of Chinese History at Trinity College in Dublin. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.